Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Hey everybody, it's Pete, and this is a special edition of Behind the Sights, a long overdue return to one of my favorite series on our show. I'm a massive fan of the tech that runs the industry, and that includes the sites and apps that we use to learn about the movies and shows of which we call ourselves fans. That's what this series is all about, and I'm so excited to get back to it with our guest today. Casey Liss is a podcaster, developer, and writer from Richmond, Virginia, though these days it's hard to know which order to put those things. 
He's one third of the Accidental Tech Podcast, a must listen for principled nerds, and half of Analog. But he's here today to talk about his latest app, Call Sheet, an experience that screams, what if IMDb was written by someone who really cared? Now, as a movie lover, you probably understand how big a statement that is. It's the equivalent of thinking, hey, I think I'd like to invent something to take on aspirin, or maybe I could be the next Kleenex. Who knew there was such a thing as big entertainment database right up there with big pharma and big tobacco? And still, that's where Casey lives, in a modest corner of the app ecosystem, working diligently on an app that aims to do right by movie nerds everywhere. Casey, absolutely thrilled to have you here. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you very much. Uh, you're hired as my official PR person from now on because that is so much better than anything I have written. Uh, no, well done, sir. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, let's talk about movies and television because I want to. I, I I would like to try over the course of our conversation to somehow tie your love of entertainment to why you decided to take on Big IMDb. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I... So I do a podcast with a guy by the name of John Syracuse. He's one, he is one third of the Accidental Tech Podcast, ATP. Uh, the other host is a guy, Marco Arment. And Marco and I have gotten this reputation that we've never seen any movies ever, which is, I think, slightly <laughs> founded, but a little bit overblown. Nevertheless, um, I enjoy a movie. I enjoy television shows. I enjoy garbage movies and garbage television. And I enjoy good movies and good television and everything in between. And uh, a few months ago, it was around January, I think. I was sitting, you know, downstairs in the living room watching TV. I, I wish I could tell you what I was watching. It was probably filth. And uh, and so we, I was watching TV with my wife, and I wanted to look up, you know, who was an actor in this movie or who directed it or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I'm sitting on my phone, and I go to the IMDb app, the Internet Movie Database app. And um, it, it is a challenging experience using the IMDb app these days. Uh, if you're not a film professional anyway, my understanding is there's, you know, an IMDb Pro where maybe it's better and maybe they're not constantly asking you to log in every 14 freaking seconds. Mm -hmm. But um, for a for a regular consumer, it is not fun. And it occurred to me that a couple of things are true. Number one, there's a crowdsourced equivalent, to, mostly, to IMDb called the Movie Database, which conveniently uh, actually also handles TV shows. And uh, I know how to write code. So maybe I could fix these problems. And so I started down the path in, I think, mid-January, maybe it was late January, of writing, what would IMDb look like if I wrote it and if I wrote it for me? And what would that look like? How would it behave? How would it act? And, and what would be kind of the clever things behind it? And I started working on what was then called Flookup, which uh, my wife still and children <laughs> still make fun of me for. The, the, the idea was a portmanteau of film lookup. Uh, oh, naturally, oh no, Casey, we, we got it. <laughs> it's, it's bad. I'll be the first to tell you. Not good. It's, it, the only reason my children don't have terrible names is because I'm married to a wonderful person who actually has taste. <laughs> but um, anyways, uh, so I, I started working on Flookup. And, uh, and eventually what landed a few weeks ago as we record this, I think two or three weeks ago now, is an app that I'm now calling Call Sheet, uh, which for those in the industry, you're probably even more aware than I what that means. But uh, it seemed like a fun and clever name for something that maybe would ring a few bells if you're a, even an, an enthusiast. And it starts with the letter C. And given that my name does too, I kind of like the letter C. And so uh, in, early, in early August, I released Call Sheet. And I think it's pretty good. I, I, I think uh, it's, it's not so bad. And I like it a lot. And, uh, and I'm hopeful that, that you and your listeners like it too. 
Well, I, and, and I'll tell you, I, I am a, a paying listener uh, or user of Call Sheet. I, <laughs> well, I really you. do like Call Sheet a lot. And, but I, I want to step back a little bit to your experience with IMDb because I spent some time this morning looking at IMDb reviews. And they are a mix of people who uh, really don't like the quote, I, I wish IMDb would stop letting idiots post trivia. That's a, a thing. <laughs> there are people who review their favorite movies in yep, the app yep. store for the app. That's mm-hmm. big. So, And there are people who genuinely seem to like IMDb. And I don't know if those people and I are using the same app, <laughs> right, frankly. Right. right. I, I have my own set of of concerns with IMDb, but I'm curious about yours. Where do you start with IMDb in the development process, peeling it back to get to something that you love? Yeah. So the IMDb app, I think the problem with it, well, there's many, but the the, the core of the of the problem with the IMDb app, from my perspective, is that it is an app that started as a really phenomenally good and well-researched website and web service. And then Amazon bought it and then Cruft started creeping in. And then there was more Cruft and more Cruft and more Cruft and more Cruft. Hey, would you like to buy this? Hey, watch a trailer. Hey, would you log in? Would you like to watch a trailer? Would you like to log in? Hey, this is on Amazon Prime. Oh my gosh. And it's just, uh, it's noisy. It's noisy is the perfect word for it. It's extremely noisy. And it just, it was not fun to use. And whether or not, you know, you find call sheet to be fun, the idea behind call sheet is if nothing else, it lets you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish quickly and easily without getting in your way. And the the movie database, which is the the crowdsourced um, you know back end that I'm using, it is not as robust as IMDb, but it's pretty good, especially for modern stuff. You know, you go reaching back to the 50s or something like that, and the movie database is eh. But uh, for modern stuff, it's really good. And more than anything else, the movie database is impossibly, indescribably fast, which means my app, Call Sheet, is also, I like to think, pretty darn fast. And you'd be surprised how quickly you can go tapping around within Call Sheet and end up with exactly what you're looking for. And then on top of that, if you're reinventing the wheel, you get to do kind of fun and off-the-wall things. And uh, one of the things that I really was proud of is there are some affordances. So if you're looking at a movie, it'll it typically typically the way call sheet presents it is there'll be like a poster and then beside it there'll be some basic information about it, you know, ratings, uh, user score, runtime, things like that. And so it occurred to me late in the development process, well, if I know that this movie is two and a half hours, but I'm an old man and so I want to go to bed in two hours, well, what wh- when is this movie gonna end? And so you can tap on the duration. And it'll say, you know, the two hour movie is going to end at one thirty in the morning. And I can know, well, that's not going to work for me. Right. Um, right. And so silly affordances like that, I think, add up and make for a pleasurable experience. But then you can go quite a bit further. And I tell the story frequently because it's such a, a clarifying moment in my life, even though I didn't realize it at the time. But I was watching the I think it was late 2019 series, uh, miniseries Watchmen. It's a phenomenal, incredible series. I, I cannot okay. recommend it enough. And with no spoilers, but. There are a couple of characters in Watchmen that have secret identities. And I remember vividly that I didn't recognize one of the members of the cast. I had never seen their work before. And so I went to IMDb, as everyone does, and I went looking for, okay, which character is it? And I saw, you know, and again, no spoilers, but I saw, you know, John Smith slash Superman. <laughs> well, right. I didn't know that yet. Yeah. I didn't know. You can't tell me that. I didn't know. And so I got real, real upset. This again, this is like late 2019. 
Well, as I'm sitting there and writing Flookup slash call sheet, it occurred to me, I can do something about this so nobody has the pain that I felt. And so what I've done and one of my favorite features of call sheet is that you can optionally for TV shows, you can select certain pieces of data that I will obscure, hide so that you don't get to see it. So you can choose, for example, to obscure character names. You can choose to obscure episode titles or thumbnails. Um, you or can also how many episodes. That's exactly what I was going to say, because there's been occurrences and occasions where I've been like, oh, I love, you know, this Susie Smith character. She's the best. And I look about two episodes. Yeah. Right. Well, crap, I wasn't prepared yeah. for that. That's the whole reason we're here for the show, you know, or whatever yeah. the case may be. And so stuff like that, when you are writing from scratch and trying to take what is a relatively solved problem, but try, try to put your own little spin on it, you get to do fun things like that. And I like to think the call sheet does a pretty good job of trying to have these affordances and give the user the tools that they need in order to not only find what they want and find it quickly, and then honestly get out of the app. I'm not one mm -hmm. of those that's like trying to get you to log in or try to buy this or try to do that. In my, the best case scenario for call sheet is you quickly find what you want and then you put it away and get back to the movie or TV that you're watching. And that's the kind of the goal. And so you can do all of these things and put your own spin on it and hopefully give people enough of a reason to actually pay money for this. You know, call sheet as we sit here today, it's a dollar a month or $9 a year. And I don't think that's a lot of money at all. And I think for a way better experience than IMDb, I think it's worth it. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think we I, I think the app builds the case for that. And I think it's a it's a fair uh, it's a fair trade. And, and I'll just say as a uh, you can sign up as a you can open the app and you get free searches, 20 yeah. free searches. That's still accurate. Mm -hmm. 20 yep, free searches. Right. And there's a wonderful search history, right? It's another thing that is not obscure. The thing, the challenge that I have with IMDb, which I think call sheet nails, is that the action reward equation is clear, <laughs> right? Like I know on IMDb, there are there are times when I'm swiping down the 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 phone app and I see something that looks relevant, and my head says the reward will be what you think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And I tap on it and it's a trailer for an unrelated movie or it's an <laughs> right. unrelated ad or it's something like that. Yep. The, the, they introduce a trick between the action mm -hmm. and the reward. And that there is none of that in call sheet. It's, and as a result, it's very, very, very fast. Questions about your, your choice of, of data source. And I don't know the background on, on what mm -hmm. it takes to use IMDb's data source um, and, and your choice of, of using the movie database. I know, um, you know, Letterboxd, uh, mm -hmm. Letterboxd uses, <laughs> uh, uh, uses, and, and I, I should say they're a frequent, uh, a partner of the next reel and, and advertisers, uh, with us. And so we're fans of Letterboxd. Um, they use the movie database mm -hmm. and some in our community have said the lack of currency in the movie database, as fast as the data set is, is something that keeps them slogging through IMDb because sometimes the movies they want to see are not there and they yeah. can't make the connection easily to Letterboxd and get the movies in. Do you, does that, did that weigh into your, any of your thinking going into developing this app? Yes and no. Um, to be completely honest with you, I didn't think IMDb had an API that was publicly available. And it, coincidentally, as I was, you know, familiarizing myself with your work, I was listening to the episode with, was it Matt Buchanan, I believe, yeah, of, of, right. of Letterboxd. And and Matt had said, oh, yeah, we, we looked at IMDb and it was $10,000 plus dollars a month or something like that. And I was <laughs> so like, well, that decision is actually that's easy. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. and so uh, that's kind of a cop out, to be honest with you, because I didn't know that at the time. But yeah. my thought process was, you know, 
IMDb is there to serve its masters, which is either IMDb itself or is Amazon. And yeah. that doesn't that isn't necessarily a bad thing, but that means someone like me will be small to nothing potatoes, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to register on their radar. And I genuinely don't know if the movie database has any idea who I am, but there is far, it is far more likely that I would get a response from the movie, movie database than I would IMDb. And as, as it turns out, when I was very early in this process, you know, I, I reached out because you have to apply to get something called an API key, mm -hmm. which basically is a, a, a token that gives you permission to use their, their site. And and very early on in the process, I reached out and I asked, you know, I filled out a form that I'd like an API key and I, I might get this name wrong, but I believe, I believe it's Travis Bell wrote back to me and I didn't think anything of it. Well, fast forward a couple of months and I'm later on in development and I forget how I came upon it, but it, I come to realize that Travis is the CEO of the movie database. <laughs> like, yeah. and I don't think he's the guy, but I think he's one of very few people that is there. And, um, and coincidentally, the movie database I learned very late in development, you'll never guess who owns the movie database because they have a corporate sponsor slash owner. Who do you think that might be? That's interesting. That's an interesting question. I don't know. What is, is it? It's not Amazon, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> that would be hilarious. A horror story. Think of a company that you can't believe still exists anymore and is in the media landscape, but you can't believe it exists anymore. You're not going to say Yahoo, are you? No, but you're getting warmer. It's a, okay. uh, it, they, they sell physical pieces of hardware. Uh, boop, beep, boop, beep. What's the name of the TiVo company? TiVo. They own the movie database. Oh my God. Should I be more afraid about the stability? Of <laughs> I the know, movie right? Database <laughs> it's, out there? it's totally fair. And actually when I found that out, I was like, Oh, what have I just signed up for? Yeah. Um, but no, I think from, from talking to people like I have some friends that, that, also write apps, different apps for different purposes that also mm -hmm. use, use the movie database. And from everything I've understood from their interactions with the movie database and, and other you know peers, it costs almost nothing for them to run it. And so, yes, if TiVo suddenly folds, I'm probably going to have a problem. But <laughs> all things considered, of all the things that would get cut, it does not seem like the movie database is high on that list. But yeah, I had no idea that TiVo, well, I kind of knew TiVo existed because my co-host, who also calls it Letterboxd, uh, John Syracuse, he, he is a TiVo devotee, devotee. And, um, and, and so he's, he might be single-handedly keep, keeping TiVo and thus call sheet afloat at this point. Yeah, for sure. I hear he uses them as furniture now. Yeah, pretty I, much. Yeah, pretty much. I, it, you brought up the $10,000 API uh, mm -hmm. access cost at IMDb. We are in an era where it seems like every few weeks we're hearing news of yet another service manipulating the uh, cost structure of API access. Now, I, I, it sounds like you feel very confident in your relationship with the movie database, but uh, how much is that uh, keeping you awake at night for an app that you're charging nine bucks a year? For? Yeah. So a couple of months, a few months ago, I guess pre-Elon Musk taking over Twitter, I mean X, I mean whatever. Uh, before all that happened, uh, I wouldn't have thought twice about it because I'm sure every, you know, we're all working together here. Everyone's friendly. It's all fine. After having lived through that, um, it gives me a little bit of worry, but that's why I'm charging. I mean, it's a large part of the reason. Obviously, I'd like to be able to eat, but a large part of the reason that I'm charging money for call sheet is because I want to try to be set up such that if costs go up reasonably, not to the way Twitter or Reddit did it, but if they go up reasonably, 
then I can float that on behalf of my users until the time comes that I can raise prices or whatever the case may be. Um, obviously, I don't hope to do any of those things. I hope that our relationship between users and myself stays exactly the way it is. I hope my relationship with the movie database stays the way it is, or, or if anything, that we get more cooperative. But that's part of the reason why I'm charging what I consider to be a very fair price for this app so that this way, if it gets passed down to me, I'm in a position that I can either just float it, like I said, like float it forever, or I can float it until the time comes that I can raise prices. Cause that's what zap, that that's what zapped, you know, the Apollo app for Reddit, which was a, right. a truly phenomenal iPhone app. Um, but Reddit said, Hey, we want a whole pile of money and we want it now. now. And right. that's just untenable. And granted, the movie database could do that, but in, in all of my interactions with peers that use it, with the movie database people themselves, like Travis, never did I get even an inkling that they would go that route, you know, short of some sort of major catastrophe. So you never know, and it is a risk, but no risk, no reward, right? So, you, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just trying to do my best by by me and my users and and hope that it all works out. You you brought up some features that I love, uh, mm -hmm. and the the tapping on the runtime to see when it ends that that is an echo of my favorite, my single favorite Apple TV feature, which is tap on the remote glass yeah, without yeah, yeah. clicking the button and mm -hmm. see when the now playing thing is going to end. Yep, uh, I I absolutely adore that. There are a number of those features that in the initial release of the app you made discoverable by accident and. <laughs> Uh, I'm curious the thinking that goes into your head around what features to expose quite explicitly and what features it feels like you were saving to release on Mastodon. <laughs> that's that's not the case, but I can totally understand why you would say that. Um, so the thing about, the, there's a few things at play. Number one, I am at best faking my way through being a designer. Um, I, I, I am a pretty decent developer. I am at, on a good day. I am a mediocre designer. Now I had a lot of help from a friend of mine, uh, Ben McCarthy, and they were able to provide a lot of helpful feedback. But, um, I, I think to me, it comes back to what I said, very, I think at the beginning of the program that this is an app for me and I put front and center, the data that I think is important. Things like, you know, rating as in, you know, PG, PG 13, whatever runtime, things like that. Sometimes I get enough, I was going to say outcry, but that's too negative. I get enough requests from users that I'll put something else on there. So as an example, what I call score, which is really kind of a rating, but that's a loaded term when it comes to movies, the score. So, you know, think Rotten Tomatoes, but it's actually sourced from the movie database. The score I put front and center because I just got pummeled with requests about it when I was doing my beta period. You know, I could not possibly care less what randos on the internet think about a movie, but it apparently a lot of people genuinely, genuinely care. And so I put the score on there um, and that became front and center. And that was not for me. That was for my users. But generally speaking, the stuff that you see and the stuff, especially the stuff that's like above the fold, if you will, that's the stuff that I care about. And while I think it would be nice to have a end time front and center, just visible right as soon as you open a page or a screen. I don't know that that's a, a useful use of real estate on an iPhone, which is, you know, even the big iPhones are not that big and I only have but so much space to play with. And so it's, it's trying to find a balance. And I mean, I would argue it's an engineering problem. You know, you're trying to find the balance between how much data do you, do you provide front and center lickety split versus how much do you have that's admittedly kind of hidden. And I could make an argument that, oh, this isn't really there because you can't tell it's there, like this whole end time thing. You can't tell it's there just by looking at the screen. 
So mm-hmm. it's effectively not there at all. I think your many of your first reviewers made that argument. Yeah, and that's totally fair. Now, a couple things about that specifically is that, A, I think that kind of makes it a little more fun because now you're kind of tapping around on things to see if there's any like hidden secrets or surprises. Um, but number two, uh, as we sit here, it's you know late August of 2023, iOS 17 is the new version of the you know iPhone operating system that's coming out next month. And one of the things that will be in that new operating system is something called TipKit, which is a series of tools that I can use as a developer that put really tasteful overlays on the screen. And it can say, you know, oh, tap here to see when the movie ends. And it does a very good job of not bombarding you. You know, nobody wants to open an app and that you have to swipe through six onboarding screens in order to get to what you want. Like, nobody wants that. And in fact, one of the things I'm very proud of with Call Sheet is that when you first install it, it runs. There's no location services prompt because I don't care where you are. There's no like local networking prompt because I'm not currently doing anything with your local network. You know, it just immediately works. You don't have to sign up for anything. I assume you're going to use some of your 20 free searches. You just get it to work. And to, and, and so TipKit will let me still maintain that it just works as soon as you start it. But also, have you thought about tapping here to see what's behind it or whatever the case may be? So Again, it's an engineering trade-off, right? I'm not sure I made the right choice here, but having something that's easy to parse and clutter-free was my number one priority. And so I will, I, I would rather trade discoverability in favor, uh, you know, a poor discoverability in favor of having a clutter-free experience. I don't know if that's well, a satisfying answer, but that's kind of what it comes down to. Well, it is satisfying. I don't want to come off just like a, only a booster for call sheet, but I'm really a booster for call sheet because I think you actually nailed the the in in words the thing that that I feel when I tap around on it, especially mm-hmm. after discovering mm-hmm. that runtime bit. You're absolutely right about calling out my behavior. I tap on stuff <laughs> right. more now that I don't know because it is a little bit of a game, mm-hmm. right? Am, am I going to find Zelda behind this next tap? Like <laughs> I don't know. Not yet. And it, not yet. It's, it it's sort of a it it's a really lovely sort of frivolity that yeah. comes with it with a, what otherwise is a very simple user interface. There's nothing spinning, no stars <laughs> that sh- that shine whenever right. I do it. Like uh, you know, I'm at at this point. You know, all of our community lives in Discord, and now they have super reactions where mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. react on something, stars things blow up. I'm like, come on, just yep. I just want to say smile. Right. Uh, so that goes to sort of the next question in an environment where let's just say letterbox exists mm-hmm. where users not only can use it to find this sort of information but also use it as diarists themselves right able to track more than just pinning things able to track their their history of of films mm-hmm. that they have watched and notably not very much television yeah. right it, it's premier kind of streamers that show up um how do you position the future of call sheet do you exist at all to compete in that space? It's it's a very good question, a very fair question. I am not in a position to comment on any future plans because I'm taking a page out of Apple's playbook. But let me just say, I would be an idiot not to at least explore that. So okay. um, that is on that is on the agenda. Near term stuff is not that. Um, I feel like the pinning affordance, which is exactly what you would expect. You know, you can pin something; it'll show up right at the top of the the main screen. And that gives you quick access to, say, a, a TV series that you're watching. But, yeah, there's a lot of different apps that do a genuinely great job of being a, like, diary or wish list of media or something like that. And 
I think it would be, it would not be terribly difficult for them to eat my lunch. And so I don't view it necessarily as a race, but I think certainly the, the next big thing I'm looking to conquer once I get through uh, something else, which we can talk about if you're interested in a second, but um, once I get through this next phase, the next big thing I want to conquer is at least exploring uh, having some sort of like watch list or watch history. And, and uh, I guess watch list in terms of a wish list and watch list in terms of what have I already done in the past. And, and I think it makes sense to at the very least explore it. I don't want to make any promises, but sitting here now, as much as I snarked a moment ago, like my, that is my intention is to at least start going down that path and seeing if it makes sense for my app. And, and another approach to this, by the way, and something that is on the to-do list, although I'm, I can't decide where it is, is letterboxed integration. Like I've exchanged a couple of emails with a couple of the folks there and they seem like, certainly based on your interview with Matt, like they seem like genuinely great people. And I'm not looking to, I'm not looking to get into a competition with them. And if, if, if my users are all in on Letterboxd, then it's in my best interest to provide an, a way for them to integrate with CallSheet. And again, I'm not there yet. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but it's on the to-do list because the thing of it is, is that with CallSheet and with all the work I do, I don't always succeed, but I try really, really, really hard to just show that I give a crap. Mm -hmm. And if my users can tell that I give a crap, then they know that I'm taking care of them. And then this relationship becomes very mutual and, and very, and, you know, mutually assured and, and with mutual respect. And so it, it the, the growth hacking like mindset is, oh, heck no, I'm not integrating with Letterboxd. No, I'm going to do that myself. I'm going to keep mm -hmm. them in my app. And honestly, I don't feel that way. Like in, in my world, the best thing that CallSheet can be, I mean, the best thing is a one-stop shop, but if it's not that, then it's a tool in your tool chest. And I don't view it as like, you know, some sort of antagonistic thing with mm -hmm. my peers, especially Letterboxd, who I have incredible respect for. I, I, I would love to at some point integrate, you know, have, have you been able to log into your Letterboxd account? via call sheet. And again, we've had very, very, very brief conversations there, their team and, my, and me. Um, but eventually, yeah, I would like to, sorry, this is a very meandering answer to your question, but I would eventually like to have that sort of affordance for watch lists and things like that in call sheet one day. Well, and that, that gets to, I, I think, what is reason to celebrate and maybe a privilege of the independent developer mm. to be so aware of the ecosystem and yeah. so frankly chill about that sort of competition <laughs> right yeah. or co-opetition yeah 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 uh, and and you know at, at, <laughs> uh someone like amazon comes to casey list and says i'm gonna give you 55 million dollars and uh you're gonna give us call sheet and mm -hmm. thank you goodbye see you in in the tropics yep. is that is that a, a thing that you're gunning for no. I, would you like to see that i'd love 55 million dollars hell yeah but <laughs> no i'm not gunning for it um i mean i I don't think that Amazon would ever come knocking on my door in some hypothetical world where I'm getting millions of dollars. Sure, let's talk. Mm -hmm. But in any reasonable in in any reasonable expectation, that's never going to happen. And so, I you know I view call sheet as if I can keep this as you know a component of my profession for the next few years, that would be excellent. And being independent, in a lot of ways, lets me do stuff that other people wouldn't do. And some of that is just making choices that people wouldn't make. Um, but some of that is is that I can move quickly. And, and granted, it is just me, but mm -hmm. as, especially with the way Apple technologies are, you can move pretty fast if you if you want to. And so what I was alluding to a moment ago is something I've been working on over the last week or so. 
um, I use an app called Channels, and I believe the website is getchannels.com. And right. Channels, it, I'm not going to do a whole long song and dance, but Channels is sort of kind of like uh, a, a, an alternative to TiVo. You know, it can be, it can, it can let you watch TV anywhere. It can let you record TV and so on and so forth. And so um, I actually know one of the founders of Channels. He lives here in Richmond. And it occurred to me, wow, wouldn't it be neat if you're watching channels? Because that's how I watch TV. I use the channels app on my Apple TV. If you're watching channels, wouldn't it be cool if whatever you had on screen on your Apple TV, if it showed up at the top of call sheet, so you could just tap it and there you are. And in beta that, that right would now, be cool. in, in, oh, in, in beta right now is that integration. So if you're watching wow. something on channels, now admittedly, it's just that one app, but if you're watching something on channels, it will, the, the phone will go and ask your local network, you know, hey, is there anything, is there any channels device nearby? And they will reply, yeah, here I am and here's what I'm watching. And so then right there at the top of the screen, it will show, you know, a poster and in, in, in the title of what you're watching on channels. And then I've been working with my friend, John, one of the founders, and over time, it's going to get better and better because right now when you tap on something, you just, it just does a search for the title, which is good, but not as good as it should be, right? And so we've been working together to figure out, okay, what data can he provide me so that when you tap on that, rather than going and getting a search, you're going directly to that movie or that TV show or what have you within call sheet. And so that's not something Amazon will ever, ever do. And I get to do it because it's for me and I want it. And similarly, you know, if I, I feel like channels is all my ephemeral content and I use a thing called Plex for all my long-term content. And so this morning, I might be going bald from it, but I've been working on <laughs> trying to get the same sort of affordance with Plex. Now, Plex is a much older product. It's a much clunkier interface. It's, it's a pain in a lot of ways, but I'm trying to get to the point that if you're watching something on Plex, there it is right there on, on call sheet, ready and waiting. And if, and if I get enough requests for other things like Jellyfin and MB, I've heard some people ask for, I'll do those too. And uh, it's stuff like that that I don't ever see IMDb doing. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just their priorities are here and my priorities are there. And, you know, we'll see what we'll see what users want. And I, I don't mean that in a threatening way. It's just maybe users aren't interested in $1 a month or $9 a year. Maybe they do want to suffer through ads and trailers that they're not interested in. And if that's the case, power to you. If I'm not fixing mm -hmm. a problem that you have, then that's fine. But if I am fixing a problem that you have, then then, yeah, let's talk, man. Uh, let's talk about, I mean, uh, you have a mobile app. Do mm. you have a completely mobile app in the future or a strictly iOS mobile app? How, how do you like in terms of iPad? In terms of Android. Oh God, no, <laughs> oh, no, okay. no, no. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I just don't have any interest in it. And if I don't have interest in it, I'm not going to do it. Um, again, the privilege of an independent developer. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, in a perfect world, I would do it, but I just don't see myself having the time anytime soon. And candidly, although I've made money so far from call sheet, I have not made like farm out an Android version to someone else kind yeah. of money. After right. this recording, when everyone signs up and, and yes, gets a subscription at that point, that'll do it. <laughs> but uh, but no, sitting here now, I, I, I would I would love to, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. Uh, you, you since you've mentioned iPad and I'll I'll throw in Apple Silicon Macs. Mm -hmm. When do when do I get it on my on my big screen. Well, so the iPad app is okay right now. I uh, candidly, I spent almost no time on it because I've had so many other what I consider to be more important things to do. Very soon, in the next couple of weeks, I plan to sit down and properly 
rejigger the iPad app so so it looks a lot better. At yeah. the point in which I'm not actively embarrassed by the iPad app, then I'll <laughs> flick the switch for the uh, for the Mac version to turn on. It's funny because to me, if I'm sitting at a Mac, I'll just go to the movie database. You know, I'll just go right there and look things up there. And the movie database website is not exactly what I'd want, but it's good. It's fast. It's fine. Um, but a lot of people, surprising amount of people have said, hey, I would love to run this on my Mac. And again, currently it's turned off, but hopefully in the next month, maybe two, the iPad app will be not an embarrassment. And then at that point, I'll flip it on for the Macs. Well, because that's what I want, right? I want my, as long as I'm going to the trouble mm -hmm. of pinning my activity that's in fair. call sheet, mm -hmm. I want my pinned activity on the desktop. I spend so much time staring at my monitor. That's a, that's a really good justification for it. Uh, yeah, you're, that's very fair. I live to serve, man. I live to serve. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I have I have more questions for you, but I don't want to belabor the folks who just came to talk about the uh, uh, talk about uh, to hear about call sheet and behind mm -hmm. the sites. So I would very much like to end the show now. But tease for members, if you want the member version, I'm about to ask Casey more questions about uh, Plex because I don't know anybody besides maybe me who has been <laughs> who I have heard tale. Have been so meticulous about mm -hmm. media organization, and I feel like our members need to hear just a little bit firsthand what that's like to live in Casey Liz's head. So <laughs> I will it's say, scary is what it is. I will say for right now, Casey, thank you so much for teaching us a little bit about call sheet. Where just where do you want to send them? Uh, yeah, actually, I should, I'm, I'm totally a professional. I should have prepared for this question. Um, I'm pretty sure callsheetapp.com works. I'm pretty darn sure. <laughs> do we, do um, uh, but I'll stall for time. Worst case, um, if if not, or certainly you can go to caseylist.com and there right at the header, there's an apps entry and you can find it on there. Um, and then Callsheetapp.com's work. Don't okay, good. Yeah, see, I, plan, yeah, I totally planned it that totally way. Totally nailed it. Totally nailed, nailed it. This. See, yeah. the thing is, Pete, is that I've spent so much time on the app itself. I didn't have a lot of time for the website. <laughs> that's that's where, we're, that's where we're going with. Uh, but yeah, callsheetapp.com. Uh, you can find my podcast with my beloved co-hosts, uh, John Syracuse and Marco Arment at atp.fm. And you had mentioned Analog, which is very kind of you. Um, that's kind of a feeling show. That's the best elevator pitch I can give you for it very, very quickly. That's at really .fm analog spelled the proper way or spelled the British way. It's your choice. <laughs> well played. Thank you, Casey List. Definitely Thank you. swipe up in the show notes. You can get all of those links. They are there and they are ready for a clicking. Yes, please. Uh, check out this app. It's uh, it, it's a I, I I've got some widgets on my home screen. I have to tell you, so I don't have. Uh, I know it's on the list. It's on the I've list. Stayed, no, no, no. I, I'm, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that I already take up a lot of space with widgets on my home screen. Mm -hmm. Call Sheet is still a home screen app. I, I love you. I, it, it's, it's too fast not to put <laughs> on the home screen. So, well, I love uh, you. I appreciate this, Casey. And we will uh, uh, hopefully catch up with you down the road. Good yes, luck please. With Thank you. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you. 
and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. (laughs) 